Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this podcast and the following message is brought to you by E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, our tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Plus, you'll get access to a wide range of support to help you plan for the long term. Learn more at etrade.com slash vox. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. September 19th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope you're having a great start to your week. We are coming off of a fun Yet somewhat controversial Noche UFC event. The main event, the rematch, Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko. What a friggin' fight it was. Incredible battle between both of these women. In the end, Alexa Grasso leaves Las Vegas, still the women's flyweight champion. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay. I'm tech- I, I just found out I had the day off. I didn't even know that. So the beauty of live radio. How about that? Uh, but we're still going to do the show. I'm not going to wrap things up. But incredible fight between Grasso and Chevchenko. But all the, the talk, all the headlines are not on the two women who competed it is, on, it is on the judge. It's on the 10-8 round five, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And look, I'm not going to go on a diatribe about everything, how the judges should be accountable, how the commission should be accountable, because that's already been said. We've talked about this a million times since Saturday. Ariel talked about it on the MAR a lot yesterday. But I, what I will say is there is no fucking way that that is a 10-8 round. There's no way. The only way that I will accept that being a 10-8 round is if you scored round two and round three at 10-8. Other than that, there is no reason why. And I, w- and I wouldn't do this. But I know Jed does the live blogs. He puts out his scorecards on MMA decisions. I think he scored at 47-46 for Grasso. 
gave 10-8 to Grasso in round two. He gave a 10-8 to Shevchenko in round three. And he didn't even score a 10-8 in round five. But that's the only way that is an acceptable score. And it's not acceptable. It's a terrible card. It's a terrible, terrible scorecard. And in the end, Valentina Shevchenko got screwed. She got screwed. She should be the flyweight champion right now because of that fucking scorecard. I will say she was pissed on Saturday. She said some, some things. I don't think she's really gone back on what she said on Saturday, but I thought her interview on the MMA Hour yesterday was, was pretty fascinating. It was pretty fascinating. I understood where she was coming from. I thought she handled herself, herself pretty well. And what I thought was super interesting about the interview is that she is leaving. She kind of wants to leave the next decision to the fans. Do you want me to fight at 125? Do you want me to fight Alexa Grasso again? Do you want me to go up to 135 and fight for the Bantamweight title? Whatever the fans want, that's what I'm going to do. To me, if Valentina Shevchenko can turn around relatively quickly the next six months or so, or whenever the UFC is ready to have this women's flyweight title on the line, you have to give it to Valentina Shevchenko. You have to. And I know how annoying immediate rematches can be. I get it. But this one isn't solved yet. This one isn't solved. The way that it went down, the way that scorecard was scored, that 10-8 fifth round, Valentina Shevchenko should be the flyweight champion right now. So you have to do it again. And who is going to be mad to watch it again? That fight was incredible. The first fight ended in such drama, in such an incredible way. And then the second fight was a classic, one of the best fights of the year. And I see people like, oh, no, 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 we got to move on. No, we don't. We got to see it again. We got to see it again. Now, Valentina is banged up. She has an injury. I believe she broke her thumb. So she's going to be out for a minute. And if Alexa Grasso ends up defending the belt before Valentina is ready and she fights Aaron Blanchard on Man and Fioro or whatever, Valentina's next fight should be for the belt. 100%. Unless she wants to go to 135. Unless she ends up moving up and then she'll fight for the Bantamweight title and probably win the Bantamweight title, if we're being honest. So just really bad stuff. I said everything I really needed to say on the post-fight show on Saturday. And it's just bad. Like, it just sucks, man. It just sucks. To, to have such a great fight end in such a way because of one judge, who's a pretty good judge, all in all, just kind of screwing the pooch here. This is really bad. And the fact that, like, no one's saying anything about it does kind of drive me a little bit insane but that's the way that it is. There's no accountability in the sport. Especially when it comes to the judging and the officiating. And it drives you crazy. Now, the officiating is a little bit better. Some of the officials will go on and go on Twitter and tweet something out. They'll respond to fans and such. But the fact that, like, Vegas and, and, and Mike Bell or whatever, just like, eh, who gives a fuck? It drives you crazy. It drives you crazy. But what an incredible fight. Just unfortunate the way that it went down. And now we'll see what happens next. Jack Della Maddalena beats Kevin Holland. Split decision. Not the 
exciting banger. I think a lot of us expected, but still fun fight. JDM won. I thought he won the fight, so I have no issue with the scoring. He he bounces back, and we'll see what is next for him. I suggested Jeff Neal. I think that's a good fight, but there's a lot of options for JDM right now. Uh, Raul Rochas Jr. did what many expected him to do, just icing Terrence Mitchell in under a minute. I don't think anybody was really surprised by that result. Daniel Zellhuber, I'm super high on him as a prospect. Some scary moments against Christos Giagos, but he came back and got a nice slick anaconda choke in round two to get the win. Kyle Nelson just spoiling the party all over the place. Beats Fernando Padilla. Another close fight. I saw a lot of people scored it for Padilla, but super close. Lupi Godinez, what a performance against Elise Reed. Roman Kopulov, nasty liver punch. We saw the some bad refereeing, but some good officiating overall because they went to the replay, overturned things to a no contest, but it shouldn't have been that way. Edgar Chires and Daniel Lacerda ends in a no decision due to the premature stoppage by Chris Tyone. That was pretty bad. Tracy Cortez, good win over Jasmine Jastabesius. That was a fun fight. Charlie Campbell knocks out Alex Reyes in a little over three minutes. And Josephine Knudsen just kind of runs over Marnik Mann. Again, not a very surprising result. But all in all, I thought Noche UFC was incredibly fun. I loved that. This wasn't at the apex. I loved that it was a theme. The fans were into it. Everything about it, the presentation, everything was great. It was great. I loved it. I loved the build to it. I loved how it was made a very big deal. I like how they went outside the box with the ceremonial weigh-ins, doing it outside. Like, I loved everything about it. The mariachi band. It's okay to have fun. And at least the UFC is trying to do more fun things. They're trying to lean into things a little bit more. I, I love what they've been doing with, with the retirements. The Robbie Lawler one sticks out the most. They're trying to do fun things. I just wish they would do these fun things more often because now we know they're capable of doing it. If they really want to do it, they could do it. And they should. They should absolutely do it. So all in all, it's a great event. Ends in controversy. It's unfortunate, but the fight main event was incredible. Hats off to, to both ladies, Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, I have a feeling that fight's going to end up on people's fighter of the year, fight of the year lists, maybe in the top five, but it was just a great fight. Great fight, great event. And let's hear what you all have to say about it. Four on Sniper, kick us off. Yes, sir. What's up? Hey, heck of a morning. Uh, I feel for uh, Valentina Shevchenko. I honestly did not see this happening. I don't think anyone saw her ending up getting 10-8'd in the last round. Well, she she didn't really get 10-8'd, but some guy decided to give her a 10-8 round. Um, I just wanted your quick thoughts on uh, – what was it? Damn, I lost my train of thought. Um, the ref from earlier in the night who stopped the fight prematurely, I think it was the Daniel Santos fight. I personally didn't see anything wrong with that stoppage being that when he got a little closer, Daniel decided to let his arm flop down, showing that he was unconscious. Um, is that a fight that they're going to run back or do you think they just move on from that? What do you, what do you see happening there? So at first I was like, yeah, I get it. I get it. 
I think other referees may have done the same thing. But the more I talk to people in the know who know more about the stuff that I do, hearing Dominic Cruz, who I don't love his commentary all in all, but I thought he did a really good job explaining things in this one. I thought it was a really bad stoppage, honestly. Like there was no, if Chris Tioti had like raised his arm up, Daniel Sayer's arm up and it flopped down, sure, stop the fight. But his legs were still under him. He immediately protested. And it was just a bad stoppage, man. And he knew it was. Chris Tioti knew it was a bad stoppage. So Daniel Lacerda at least avoids going 0-5 with five stoppage losses. So that's that's something. So maybe he gets another chance. And it's been a weird year for Edgar Chires, right? Edgar Chires has been on an end of two just really weird submissions this year. One was the Gianni Vasquez one, which I did that big feature on in March, where Gianni was unconscious. Ref didn't stop the fight. He transitions to an arm bar. Ref still doesn't stop the fight. The arm bar wakes up Gianni Vasquez, who is unconscious from the choke, and then gets his arm badly, badly injured. And that's Edgar Chires. And then he gets a short notice fight with Tetsuro Tyra. Fun fight, loses. And then, honestly, if this went another 30 seconds, I think he probably submits Daniel Lacerda there. So. Now it's a no contest. I know he's appealing. We all know what's going to happen there. Nothing. Do you run it back? I mean, I don't care. Run it back. If they run it back, great. It all depends on whether or not the UFC is just going to keep Daniel on the roster. I think they'll keep Edgar on the roster. Not sure if they'll keep Daniel on the roster because he's winless in five fights. Even though it was a weird one, he's probably going to get submitted anyway. So it's tough. Very, very tough. What can you do? But that was bad. That was pretty bad. Justin, go ahead. Um, I just want to know is what what's the guy's name? Diego Lopez. Is he the best player coach in this sport right now? That's a great question. He might be. He might be. I'm trying to think like who else. Who else it could be? That's a great question. I have to really think about that one. He might, he might, he's up there for sure. At worst, he's up there. Dude's a fun fighter. He's done a lot for Alexa Grasso's career, that's for sure. He's gonna fight at MSG coming up. I love that question. I'm gonna have to really think about that one. I'm gonna have to really think about that one. I don't know how you did. I think Gilbert Burns is getting more into the coaching aspect of things, so I would say he's probably up there. There's, there, there's, man, there's a lot. There's a lot to think about, but I fucking God, I love that question. He's definitely up there. Love that. Uh, Thomas, go ahead. Um, got a couple of things. I just wanted to say, in terms of the best ever sort of free fight nights, I thought that's definitely in recent times up there with with in terms of the, the best free events and fight nights. It was it was a brilliant event, I thought. Um, 
Is it a bit worrying that Valentina said that she's going to fight for years and years yet? She is 35 and she's brilliant, but if she fights for another 10 years, is that dangerous if she fights in her 40s? Um, she obviously lives, breathes, uh, breathes martial arts. Last thing I would say is boxing. I've got a really bad record in terms of their scorecards and some of the horrible scorecards you see in boxing. UFC is a lot better, but it doesn't obviously make it acceptable with that um, 10-8 and round 5. Yeah, it's a bad card. It's a bad card. Um, look, 48-47 either way is is totally acceptable. I've watched the fight three times now. I scored it for Valentina all three times. Now, if you want to score round four for Alexa Grasso, fine. I got no issue with it. Super close. I mean, very, very close. Shit, man. If you want – if Mike Bell had scored in a 10-10 fourth round, like, I would have had no issue with the draw. None. Absolutely none. That's about as close as you can get. That's how close that fourth round was. And I understand Alexa did some damage to those knees, and that was kind of the, the moment people turned to when they score for Alexa. But I thought I thought Valentina won the most of that round. So, But still, I have no issue with 48-47 either way. You scored it for Grasso, great. If you scored it for Shevchenko, great. But to cost Shevchenko... A chance to win the belt on such a bad card is, is just – it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And they don't give a fuck, which drives me even crazier. Uh, let's go to Mikey. What's up, Mikey? For a second, I was in the building. That rivals any pay-per-view I've ever been to. That was the best women's title fight next to Joanna – and Wei Li, um, I ha- I scored it 48-47 for Valentina. Um, I think she got rounds two, four, and five. If you had it one, three, four, Alexa Grasso, I wouldn't be mad at you. Um, Tenning was egregious. Uh, in I don't know how it was for you guys at home watching, but I rewatched the, most of the prelims and I'm just to the main, middle of the main card. The how proud, how loud that crowd was. It doesn't do it justice, ironically enough. They were so loud. Like, Lupi Godinez's performances lit that place up in a way I hadn't heard. That wasn't the main card fight. That was, and it was barely full. Like, the energy was so great in that event. That, it, uh, you had to be there. There, there. You had to be in the building. It was like one of the best, one of the best nights ever. And a curious note. So I ran into Sal Diamato and Jaron Bilal after the fight. And Jaron Bilal... Ruby uh, told me something very interesting, or not interesting, depending on how you feel. They want to talk to the media. They want to explain their decisions. He told me and admitted to me that he screwed up Valentina, uh, Val- Valerie Letourneau versus Joanna back at UFC 193. He knew that he knew he should have stopped the fight then, but he messed up. So, uh, and Sal Diamato, we talked briefly about his score, but I was mostly joking about how I uh, don't like his scores. But he's like, then he gave me shit because you know he was the one that scored it for Valentina so I thought that was interesting but um anyways uh I think uh Chires Lacerda should be run back if they can uh curious who you think Daniel Huber, Zell Huber should get next Raul Rosas you know basically all the Mexicans that won where she do you feel they should move up should they get a ranked opponent should they get one more quote-unquote uh you know prospect development fight or should they be thrown into the deep end and how soon do you think Tracy Cortez should be fighting not fighting for the title or be in contendership. So, all right. You kind of want another. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there should be an option where, because I know this is a whole thing before, and Ariel had talked to, like, Andy Foster and stuff. And Andy Foster, like, when there's events in California, they have sort of a a little meeting at the end with all the refs and the judges, and they kind of go through everything and, and evaluate the job that was done. And for me, hearing that Andy Foster is like, yeah, if the media wants to do it, like they want to be a part of it, they can. Vegas should do the same, man. Like they should do the same. And it kind of drives me insane that, that they don't do that. So it's, it's good to hear that refs and officials want to talk about these kinds of things because I have no issue with that, but. It just, it just drives me nuts, man. That just, it, there's just no case for that scorecard. Unless, again, like I said earlier, if you scored round two a ten eight and a round three a ten eight, and then you scored round five a ten eight, like okay, I'll listen to you, but you can't not score two and three. You can't score two and three ten nines and then five ten eight. That makes no friggin' sense. Makes no sense. Um. Watching on TV, the crowd was awesome. You could hear it, and you, you hear it with, like, pro wrestling events. Like, the crowd can make an event, or it can break an event. Uh, and I thought the crowd was on fire. I thought the crowd was on fire. It translated very well. They were into everything. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. What's next for some of the Mexican fighters who got wins? Uh, if you listen on to the next one, I suggested Nazareth Hackparas for Daniel Zellhuber. Not ready to give him a ranked guy just yet, but I think he's a, a decent step up. He's coming off a win and a hard-fought fight with Landon Quinones. And Nazareth's been around a, a hot minute. Another vet. Christos Giagos, his, that was his 13th UFC fight. So throwing him in there with Nazareth is not like a bridge too far, I don't think. And I think it's a fight Daniel can win. So I like that idea. Raul Rosas Jr., I am not rushing him at all. Um... I forget who I, I forget who I picked for for Rosas. Um, actually, I remember Johnny Munoz is fighting October seventh against who is he fighting? Uh, Reach Agrichi Lang. I like that one. That's fine. That's not like a crazy step up. Those are probably like two top fifty bantamweights. In that range, 48 to 50 range, I, th- I think I have both those guys, 48 to 52. So, yeah, I think that's fine. And then Tracy Cortez, who did I pick for Tracy? I picked Karina Silva for Tracy Cortez. I think it's a good fight. Uh, AK, my first pick was Lauren Murphy. It just depends on how quickly they want to get her up there. I think Tracy Tracy is, is getting over big. I think she could be a star for this company. The problem is she's just not active enough. She's fighting once a year, and that's just not enough. That's just not enough. She needs to get in there and fight two, three times a year to, to really get over and climb those ranks. This division is a – it's just it's full of killers right now. And I understand that she went through a lot heading into this fight. I understand that she dealt with a litany of injuries, but she's got to find a way to stay healthy. 
Otherwise, it's going to be a very, 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 very slow burn uh, getting to the belt. It's going to take forever. I mean, just look at this. Look at this division. Look at this division. Let me pull up my rankings right now. Um, doo -doo -doo. We have Grasso, Shevchenko. We have Aaron Blanchfield, Manon Fioro, Tyler Santos, Jessica Andrade, Liz Car. Well, that Liz Carmouche is in my. These are the MMA fighting rankings. Kaylin Chikagian, Lauren Murphy, Jennifer Maya, Macy Barber, Natty Ice. Natty Ice has gotten over big because she's active and she's getting good wins. Amanda Hebas, Viviani Arujo, Casey O'Neill, Jazz and Jazz. Like, we have all these fighters coming up right now. Karina Silva's another one. You can't, you can't fight once a year in this division. You just can't. So I like what she said at the end of the fight. I'm going for the belt next year. She went out with Ariel, and Ariel asked when she wants to fight again. She said, beginning of next year. Kind of would like to see her get one more in if she can. I know that was a hard-fought fight, but if she can get one more in in December, I would like to see that. She needs to get active. She needs to fight at a much more frequent pace than she's fighting right now. Or else she's not going to fight for the belt. But Lauren Murphy's a good choice. I pick Karina Silva. They're both on the way up. And if Chase Cortez could beat Karina Silva, man, it's a great win. That's going to tell me a lot about her. But she looked great. I thought she looked spectacular. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this podcast and the following message is brought to you by E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, our tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Plus, you'll get access to a wide range of support to help you plan for the long term. Learn more at eTrade.com slash Fox. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. CV, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Um, I want to talk about the Coleman event and specifically, again, about Kevin Holland. Um, I know I came in here last Friday. I told you that uh, I have a 65% uh, chance or feeling that he'll become the, the welterweight champion one day. Um, after the loss, I think I'm going to drop the project projection to 64% uh, now this time. Um, but in all seriousness, um, yeah, watching Kevin Holland's uh, super... Super frustrating because I know like 
I he was in that fight. Um, I just didn't know why he didn't try to wrestle Jack more. But um, yeah, uh, I think Kevin Holland's like the, the most frustrating fighter to watch, just because you know he has the potential to be great, but um, yeah, his execution is uh, leaves a lot to be this, uh, to be desired. Um, and one more thing, um, I, I noticed in like in your last couple shows that you mentioned that. Um, I don't know if it was just like a slip or not, but like, is is the UFC really coming back in Toronto this January? Uh, just to confirm, and if you heard anything about it, um, that's all for me. Thanks. So I started. I mean, we've been talking about this for I don't know over a month now. Um, Toronto is definitely in play. But it's it's a matter of time, um, you know, because hockey is going to be underway. Um, there's there's the Maple Leafs and stuff, so there are like some open dates. But I just don't know if it's going to line up with like what the UFC has in mind, unless they want to run multiple events, like multiple pay per views in January or something. So that is in play. That is a plan. If the UFC had their druthers, they would like to go to Toronto. But again, it's just a matter of can they get a building? Will the timing work? Et cetera, et cetera. And as we know, plans change very, very quickly for the UFC. Now there's talks about maybe going to China in December. Uh, that wasn't in play before. There was talks about Atlantic City. There were talks about Minneapolis. There's been talks about multiple different cities. Now I'm hearing Orlando might be a, a possibility again. They might go back to Orlando. It's just – it's unknown, and trying to report locations is, like, harder than ever. And it's been that way for a little while because I remember before the Dominic Cruz-Cheeto Vera fight, that was going to be in Boston. Like, that was going to be the return to Boston. And then Ariel started talking about it, and all of a sudden it moved to San Diego, and I don't know if that one thing – one hand washes the other in that aspect, but I don't know. Toronto is, is definitely the front runner. That's where the UFC wants to go in January. They want to do another Canadian card. I know there's certain fighters who have been approached about that. But again, it's all about whether or not timing is going gonna, is gonna to line up. And then with the Kevin Holland thing, look, this is why – this is who Kevin is, man. Kevin is just wants to go in there and have a good time and fight and make money. He doesn't care about the belt. He doesn't care about rankings. He doesn't care about any of that. He just wants fun fights and has, wants to have fun. What did he do right after? Said it real quick, sorry, man, let it slip away. Made no excuses, just said, yeah, I fucked it up. And then he called out Neil Magny for a hair versus hair match, which is just the best. Super Kevin Hollandy, love it. Absolutely love it, but yeah. Yeah, 64% is also too high, by the way. Uh there's a reason Kevin Holland was banned from on to the next one for like a year. Because the dude could just fight in two weeks. Like, can you just come back and fight in two weeks? There's a, if there's a decent welterweight fight on, on the books for anywhere where the taxes are not bullshit, Kevin's going to be like, okay. Or even a middleweight fight. He'll just be like, all right, I'll fight him. That's where he's at right now. He wants to fight all the time. He wants to be active, and he wants to make a bunch of money. doesn't care about the belt. But I get if you're a Kevin Holland better – if you're a Kevin Holland fan and you want to see him win the belt, I understand why he's frustrating, but this is who he is. This is who he is. Uh, slip and roll. Go ahead. 
Hey, Mike. How's it going, man? Um, Good. So we talked about this already, but what did you think about how Shevchenko handled herself after the draw decision? Like, especially her talking about the Independence Day for Mexico and all that stuff, you know, which could be controversial. But uh, I do think that she obviously won the fight. Also, like, I want to know, what do you think her wanting to fight in Kyrgyzstan in her own country, does is it even possible to do that at this stage of the UFC? Uh, she wants to do that for the rematch. I, I don't know if you heard that. Also, one last thing. You don't have to answer this question because it's been more than a week. Uh, I just wanted to know your opinion on the subject. So what do you think about Izzy being silent since the loss? Do you think he's just conceding the idea that he doesn't deserve the rematch? And he understands the situation and he, he kind of wants the the division to move on for a bit and he gets to rest a little bit. Thank you. So a lot to talk about there. Um, with Shevchenko on Saturday, I didn't love it, but I also understand that this is a woman who should be the flyweight champion right now. And she got screwed. She got screwed by a judge that cost her the title. She's pissed. So I get it from that aspect. Like you put everything into this. You thought you won. And then to have it scored a draw because of one of the worst individual scorecards in the history of the sport comes about, you're going to be pissed off and you're going to say some shit. You're going to get emotional. Um, I, she kind of carried that over into Monday. And look, could you make a case that you know, maybe Mike Bell is like, eh, maybe I scored the fourth round wrong and this is a makeup call? I mean, maybe. But again, we don't know because he's not saying anything. Vegas ain't putting anything out. There's going to be no statement about it. From what I understand, they're going to have some sort of meeting on Wednesday about what a 10-8 round actually is. I saw Ariel report that. I was told something similar. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. At least they're trying something. But it didn't come up. Didn't make Valentina look great, but I also understand that she just got fucked. She just got screwed, and she should be the champion right now. No matter how you scored it, I scored for Valentina. It's not obvious, but the fact of the matter is, without that ten eight round, if you just scored a ten nine, Valentina is the flyweight champion right now. So it's not like a robbery per se because it's pretty split. A lot of people thought Alexa Grasso won, but kind of is a robbery. She kind of got screwed. She did get screwed. 1,000% she got screwed. And I thought that was cold as ice when she was like, listen, Mike Bell's going to have to live with that scorecard for the rest of his life. And I was like, oof, that is just ice cold, man. Just ice cold. The Izzy thing, Izzy's got a documentary that's going to be released worldwide, I believe, or it's going to get a big release next week, I believe. So I think he's probably focusing on that right now, getting his story out there so people can get a different side of him. And perhaps that's when he'll break his silence, but it is interesting. It is interesting. I am curious to hear what he has to say, but I'm sure he's going to do that on his own. I don't think he's going to go on the MMA hour or anything unless he just happens to be in New York and wants to do it. Um, I know Izzy's not a... Is he's not like a Zoom chat kind of a guy unless it's fight week and he has to. 
Izzy will do interviews, but he likes to do them face to face. So, but I kind of have a feeling like he's just going to drop something on his own channel if there's going to, if there is even going to be a reaction to it. So, I don't know. It is kind of telling. But take a break, man. I, I, I respect the fact that he's not saying anything. I kind of wish he stays this way. Like, I know he's going to say things with the doc and everything, but I kind of wish he just stays away for the next six months. Like, let people miss him a little bit. Four quarter sports, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Um, Really enjoyed you, uh, Notre UFC. I hope that they can continue doing something like that um, continuously. Um, I feel that, you know, it was an excellent card. I actually scored it three rounds to two, um, Alexa Grasso. Uh, I had it, what's it called, round two, round four. I know round four was the, the 50-50 type of a round. And uh, round five. I'm okay to listen to other people say that it was a 10-8 round, round five, although I don't heavily agree. But um, what do you think is the likelihood that they just re- they do the trilogy in, uh, in Mexico City next year just because they put that graphic out there that uh, the UFC is going back to Mexico, well, targeting at least. And then um, for Tracy Cortez, I mean, if she wants to get back to a title, she's going to have to fight at least three times next year. How many um, – fights do you predict that she actually uh, not gets booked, but actually steps into the octagon next year? All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Um, I completely disagree with you that you're willing that anyone, like there's an argument, at least a discussion to be had for a 10, eight fifth round. There is no discussion. That is not a 10, eight round. Valentina won more than half that round. And then she made a mistake. Got put in a tough position. That's not a 10-8. That's not a 10-8. Fight was not really close to being stopped. And trust me, as a man who makes awful predictions most of the time, on the preview show, I said, look, Valentina's going to make a mistake in round five, and Alex Grass is going to tap her at the end. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to look like Mystic Mike. Again, I've had a good run of just predicting weird shit to happen, and I almost had it again. It would have been unbelievable. But that's not a 10-8 round. It's this no. No. Two and three, you have a better case for a 10-8 round than round five. But it's a whole model. It's just the whole scoring model makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's a boxing model. And if you watch boxing, it's easy to score. If it's a knockdown, it's automatically a point. It's 10-9. And if you knock somebody down, it's automatically 10-8. You can't do it. It's not the same in MMA. The rounds are longer. There's so much going on. Now, I kind of like... Now, Tyson Chartier has been... He's the head coach and manager of a lot of the New England cartel guys. Cater and Fawn or whatever. And he's been pushing this like scoring system that he's had in mind ever since Kate, Calvin Cater kind of got screwed in the Josh Emmett fight with a judge actually scoring round four for Josh Emmett, which makes absolutely no sense. Uh, his system is, if you haven't seen this, I'll read it right now. Each round winner determined by judges' majority, meaning at least two of the three judges scored the round for you. Majority winner of round gets one point. Loser gets zero or less. Minus one for a traditional 10-8 round, etc. Open scoring, 
I don't think you need open scoring. I've talked about this a lot. If you want to do it, cool, but who gives a shit? I don't think it changes much. Stall calls available with possible point deductions to deter fighters up on scorecards from coasting at the end. No must system. A truly close round can be determined a 0-0 round. Winner is determined by whichever fighter gets more total points. I don't mind that. Like, that's different. That's more of, like, an MMA style of scoring. It's not a must system. It's not a boxing model. And if you do something like that, will there be a bad decision from time to time? Sure. Will we, especially if it's open, are we going to complain more? Probably. But still, we don't have to worry about the egregiousness of just awful scorecards. As much anyways. But the scoring needs to change. We talked about this forever. It's never going to. And that's it. It's fucking stupid. Um, Cortez. I think she can get there pretty quick. But again, she's got to fight more than once a year. If she can get one more before the end of the year and then come back in like April or May and get another win, she's right there, man. They're going to push her to the moon. They're going to push her to the moon. They know they have something with her, but you can't really push somebody who doesn't fight. And I understand she's gone through a lot in personal life, physically, mentally, emotionally. I get it. Like this last layoff, like I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from her, but you got to fight more than once a year. Like no matter what is happening, no matter what is happening, you have to find a way to get in there more. That's how you move up the ranks. But if she can get in there and be more active, fight every four or five months and keep winning, she's going to get there pretty quick. Someone asked earlier about doing the, doing the trilogy. And, well, we had Mexico City and then Valentina's like, no, nah, man, like, let's do it in my hometown. The likelihood of that, unless that government agency is willing to spend millions of dollars to bring the UFC out there, there's zero chance that happens. Zippity doodah. Zero. Even though, even if they like Valentina, there is no chance they go unless it is being funded, unless they're being paid to go there. And that's it. Could have happened in Mexico City, maybe. But if I'm Valentina, I'm like, no, I'm not going to Mexico City. I know Vegas isn't Mexico, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll keep on going. Uh, Cole, go ahead. Cole. Morning, Mike. Morning. Uh, yeah, just on that Tracy Cortez, I think her accent needs to be studied on a Mackenzie Dern level. I don't know how somehow she's getting more Mexican, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a case in my ass that that's a 10 8. I mean, that's crazy. But um, if you, I have a question for you. If you could have any interview today with any fighter. Who would it be? And I think I have a guess of like who you would pick. I'm, I know you like to interview Colby. I think you'd like to interview him about like why this, just like around this fight, why this fight's taken so long. But yeah, who would you like to interview if you had one interview scheduled today with anybody? So. I mean, Colby's obviously a good one because maybe we'd get an update on everything. Um, it's a good question. I mean, I'd love to talk to Alexa Grasso right now. 
find out how she's feeling about everything from Saturday night. Where her head is at. We heard from Valentina. We have not. Mike Bell would be a great interview to have right now. Uh, Jeff Mullen would be a good one. But if we're talking fighters. I mean, Conor McGregor would be an interesting one, obviously. Not just for numbers, but I want would love to see where he's at. Izzy would be a good one. I think Izzy's probably the correct answer. Uh, and then if I just want to boost my mood, it'd be Brandon Moreno. Because I'm a big fan of interviewing Brandon Moreno. I haven't interviewed him in so long, which like hurts my soul. But oh, what can you do? But yeah, Izzy's probably the answer right now because I'd love to hear the, the hows and the whys after the Strickland fight. Strickland would be another one. I haven't heard from him at all outside of him breaking the belt and somehow getting his hands on a flamethrower. <laughs> Dude is such such a character. Uh, Riley, go ahead. Uh, two quick things. Uh, one, I know we're only in September, but uh, who would your women's fighter of the year be right now? Uh, for me, I scored this fight, 48-47 Grasso. Uh, so I'd probably have Grasso as my female fighter of the year, given that she beat Valentina when she was number one pound for pound and just uh, fought her to a draw. And then secondly, real quick, uh, what do you think is next for Roman Kapilov? Uh, he started off 0-2 in the UFC. Now he's 1-4 straight, all by knockout. So uh, what do you think's next for him? Like a cusp top 25 guy or uh, maybe even top 15? What do you think? Thanks. Thanks, man. Um, I mean, Grass is probably the fighter of the year. But if they go back, if they go to ch- – if the UFC does go to China – and they do Zhang Wei Li versus Zhang Zhonan, and she just absolutely runs Zhang Zhonan, I'm probably going to vote Zhang Wei Li. I mean, she she put the wood to Amanda Lemos. I mean, that was she didn't finish her, but she basically tortured her for five rounds. Just beat that ass all over the place. She It was about as dominant of a performance as you will see in a title fight. So I think Grasso is the front runner right now. I think Aaron Blanchfield is in play. I think Tatiana Suarez is in play. Yeah. I think it's between Grasso and Zhang. Grasso's got it now, but I think if Zhang gets another fight before the end of the year and wins, it's probably her. At least at least in my eyes. For Kopilov, who did I pick for Kopilov? Um, for Anson next one, I just said he should just go. You know what? They should if I'm Roman Kopilov right now. I am going all in on the Roman Delize fight. That's what I'm going for. Hey, you need somebody to fill in for Derek Brunson, who's no longer in the UFC at MSG? Hashtag Roman versus Roman. Do it. That's what I would go for if I were him. I would push for that fight. I would push for that fight. I don't know if he gets it, but you don't get what you want if you don't ask for it. So I would go I would go that route. If not, I'd go I mean like a, a Chris Curtis fight would be interesting. Gregory Rodriguez would be interesting. I mean there's options for him. It'd be someone fun that would stand there and strike with him. 
But if I'm here, I'm going I'm going all in on Roman Doitza right now. Faux show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Momenala, you are up. Go ahead, Momenala. Hey, man, how you doing? Good morning today. Thanks, man. What's up? I'm just wondering, what do you think is next after that absolutely incredible performance by Raul Rosas Jr.? What, what Do you think he he gets a fight with someone in the top 15, or do you think, or like, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely no to top 15. Look, Raul Rocha Jr. did what he needed to do. He's 18 years old, so I always take that into account. But he fought Christian Rodriguez and lost. And Christian Rodriguez is what? Let me, let me see where I have uh, Rod- Christian Rodriguez in my personal rankings. I have him at 46. So he fought a top 50 guy and lost. So no, I, he's so far away from top 15. It's not even funny. There is no need to rush this kid at all. He just beat stylistically. And I, and I don't want to sound like a jerk, but we knew what was going to happen when he fought Terrence Mitchell. Nobody on the planet picked Terrence Mitchell to win that fight. And very few people on the planet picked Terrence Mitchell to get out of the first seven minutes of that fight. Terrence is, the perfect guy. He's like the perfect guy to get you back on track at Bantamweight. You just throw him in there with Terrence. Terrence is going to try to get after you. And he's going to get her get got. And most of the time he's going to get got. Me and Jed talk about this all the time. There's value to a fighter who gets got in spectacular fashion. And Terrence Mitchell is one of those guys. He's a, he's a great opponent in those types of situations, but to go from Terrence Mitchell to a top 15 is just way too fast. Way too fast. So I wouldn't go any higher than another like top 50 guy. Honestly. I, on, on to the next one, I picked uh, Johnny Munoz is fighting Arichi Lang October 7th. Winner or loser of that? One of those two guys. That's fine. I wouldn't go any higher. Let this kid cook a little bit. He's only 18. Let's just get him experience. Let's get him some wins. Build his confidence. Give him those. I mean, he looked great. He did what he was supposed to do. But, yeah, top 15 is way too fast. We're, we're so far away from that. We're probably like two or three years away from that. Uh, go ahead. How are you doing, man? Good I'm doing you? good. So, um, I just have a few things to ask. I'll, I'll start off with this one. Um. I saw a post a few weeks ago on Twitter and Instagram. There's a rumor that the UFC is looking to host a card in Indonesia. Can you confirm or deny that those rumors are possibly true? And the other two things I just want to ask, um, I'll start off with um, the upcoming fight with Bryce Mitchell and Dan Ige on Saturday. What is at stake for um, 
both of these fighters, like it, let's say the trajectory of the career, if Danny Gay was to win, does he put himself back at a light chance of becoming a tender at the featherweight division again? Or will he just be at best a, a gatekeeper? And for Bryce Mitchell, if he... I don't think he'll lose this fight, but let's say if he was to lose this fight, would this be very concerning in the fact that he might not be um, who he who he seems to be as a fighter in the sense that his potential to be a champion might not be so imminent and he was just, I guess, overhyped. Um, and the last thing I want to just briefly discuss on was basically what we've all been talking about, the Grasso and Valentina fight. I think... Um, what a lot of people don't realize is, like, I don't think the 10-8, the way that the uh, fifth round was scored for 10-8, that was definitely stupid. But in my opinion, I will still say that that round goes to um, Grasso. Just off the fact the last two minutes, she did the most important stuff in that round, did the most damage. She put Valentina almost two or three times in the submission choke, in one of them being the same way that she's, um, she submitted Valentina the first time. So, and um, in my opinion, I think Grasso won that fight because overall, I was looking uh, when it really mattered most, she did the most damage and also, you know, had no problem, hesitated at challenging Valentina on the ground. You know, I will give Valentina props. I think she did very well on the stand-up and she definitely was good at the counter-jab punch. But, you know, I guess everyone has different opinions and hopefully they rerun this match sometime next year in Mexico City or wherever. Yeah, that's all I have. Have a great day, man. Yeah, I mean, look, there's no 10-8 to be had. There's no, no argument on earth for a 10-8 in the fifth with the way that fight was scored. As I said earlier, the only way I will even entertain that is if that fight, round two was scored a 10-8 for Grasso and round three was scored a 10-8 for Valentina. If you're consistent and you go 10-8, 10-8, 10-9, 10-8, I'll listen to you. But other than that, there's just no way. There's just no way. And look, I'm going to say something that might be a little little cray-cray, but I don't give a shit. You can make more of, and, and maybe this isn't so cray-cray, but you can make a much better case for Valentina winning round five than you can for Grasso winning 10-8. Like, if you re, go rewatch that fifth round, go rewatch that fifth round. I would not score it 10-9 for Valentina. But you can make a case. You can make much more of a case for Valentina winning round five than you can for a 10-8 for Grasso. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just it's insane. It's just insane. And if you scored it for Grasso, like, that's fine. If you gave round four, like, round five is not, like, obviously is the talking point of this fight. But most people feel Grasso won round five. It's round four. It all comes down to round four. And it goes either way. It's all round four. Round four decided that whole fight. Except for Mike Bell, who screwed up everything. But, like, here's the thing. If Mike Bell had scored round four 10-10, I don't think he'd be getting as much of a beating, would you? Like, that fight, that round was so close. It was so close. We don't see 10-10 rounds. But go back and watch that fourth round. You want to make a case for a 10-10? There's a case there. You can make a case for a 
in round four. And I don't think the reaction would be what it is today. I think people would be like, wow, that's a ballsy scorecard. But I don't think anybody would be like, oh, that's bullshit. Valentina got screwed. I think they'd be like, wow, like good for Mike. Good for Mike for putting out a 10-10. I think there should be more 10-10s. And the big reason why is like round one going the way that it did and then watching Grosso drop Valentina in round two and treat her like Heath Herrig, like and, and Grosso was Brock Lesnar, knocked her across the freaking cage. I just don't think you could score like both those rounds are 10 nines. Like how could you compare those two? You know what I mean? So that's why I think there should be more 10 tens. But what do I know? It's just bad. Like it's just so bad. And we'll never, ever, we'll never hear otherwise. We'll never hear about the car. We'll never hear from Vegas. There'll be no statement. And that's fucking ridiculous, man. It is ridiculous. Uh, Octavon Blog, go ahead. How are you doing? First of all, uh, I put uh, $1,000 on Sean Strickland. Maybe you remember this. Uh, 65%. Secondly, uh, Mike Bell, uh, I think he belongs to, uh, you know, I don't want to say a political uh, system in the UFC. Now... uh, top TKO, uh, etc. But I think he was, uh, I think uh, uh, Valentina Shevchenko is right. Uh, he was under enormous pressure, all referees. Uh, I think it was a totally misjudgment. I want to hear your take about all three referees, not only Mike Bell. Thank you. And uh, I predict uh, before I close down, the fight, the third fight will be in Paris and the co-main event will be Manon Fioro versus uh, the girl from uh, New Jersey, Erin Blanchfield. Good luck. Um, maybe. I don't know if they're going to wait. I mean, it, I guess it could. Like if Grasso fights again. Nah, I mean, that, that'd be tough. That'd be tough because if they go if they go to Paris, they they usually go in September. But I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll go a different time. I kind of feel like Grass is going to fight either Blanchfield or Fioro first, and then Valentino will get the winner. I kind of think Man and Fioro lost the most out of anybody here because I think Blanchfield will get the rub before her. But I don't know. It all depends on kind of like when Valentin's ready to go. Um, let's look at the other cards. Mike Bell's is just ridiculous. Uh, Sal D'Amato scored it 48-47 for Valentina. Gave her rounds one, three, and four. Uh, the same, same way I did. And Camillo gave Grasso two, four, five, which I have no issue with. I have no issue with 48-47 either way. None. But 10-8 in the fifth is, is just horrendous. It's horrendous. Panda. First time? Nope. Stunner. Latino Heat. Uh, oh. Wait, is my mic on? Yes, you're oh, on. Uh, I'm just going to make sure. Good morning, first thing foremost. Mm-hmm. And... 
Well, this ain't well. The first thing it ain't a question. It's just what I think. I think Alexa Grasso should fight someone else for her next fight, so the division doesn't stay in the standstill. And then after whoever wins that fight gets Shevchenko. But my question is, who do who what fight do you find more entertaining? KSI versus Tommy Fury or or Logan Paul versus Dylan Dennis? And who you think's gonna win? Honestly, we're going to cover it. We'll cover it, obviously, because people will be somewhat interested in it, but I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't care. I'm so over Dylan Dennis. It's not even funny. Uh, I was over him before all this, but now, like, if Dylan Dennis is just, like, never part of the combat sports community ever again, it'll be too soon. I'm just, I'm just over it, man. Like, I'm just over it. I have – Dylan Dennis – took the vein, like the, the slight interest I had in this Logan Paul fight. And within three days I was like, all right, I don't even give a shit. I don't care. I don't care. So I guess by default it's KSI, Tommy Fury, but I think Tommy's just going to beat KSI. Like he's just going to beat him. Cause KSI is not a boxer. KSI is not a boxer. Tommy Fury is not a great boxer, but he is a boxer. He's going to piece up KSI. He's going to beat him. He's going to go in there and win a decision in a fight that doesn't matter or doesn't count. It's good for Tommy. He's going to get some money, but other than that, like it's not even a pro fight. I, uh, I'm with most of you. Like a lot of, like I'll look at, because I do a lot with the pod network and like want to make sure that's where it needs to be and stuff. So like I listen to like I see what the comments are and stuff like that. And most people are like, hey, we love you guys, but stop talking about this influencer boxing shit. And I'll be honest with you, I'm with all of you on that. Like if I could avoid talking about it, I would, but you just can't. <laughs> you just can't because like by the time these fights come, like everybody talks about them. And people want to know what happens. Now, are they going to spend the money to watch them? No, but they're going to go to MA Fighting and find out what's happening. They're going to go read the live blogs and stuff like that. Like, I don't think you understand how popular those things are. Like, they do such huge numbers. Like, you can't ignore it. You can't. But that's, that's the world we're in now. I thought Kingpin was going to be like a thing. But apparently that's not going to be a thing anymore because they can't make any money. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much longer KSI is going to do this. I don't know how much longer Jake Paul is going to do this. But just when we think, like, eh, is this Jake Paul thing over? Goes and fights Nate. And I was there, man. People were into that. That whole building was, like, on fire the whole time. They were on fire. When Nate came out, the place came unglued. Anytime Nate landed anything close to a punch, the place went bananas. People care, man. They care. But, yeah. It's tough. And look, if, if look, as far as Valentina not getting the next shot. Like, there's an injury there, so you might get what you want. But if, like, Alexa, if the UFC goes to Alexa Grasso's team and says, hey, we want you to fight in March, 
want you to defend your title again in March. The next call is going to be to Valentina Shevchenko. It's going to be. You have to give her the shot. No matter how you feel about immediate rematches. Like, is he getting an immediate rematch? No. It makes no sense. Because Robert Whitaker said it best. If we're giving Izzy the immediate rematch, just give him the belt. Because if he's just going to get a rematch every time he loses, like then this is stupid. He got worked by Sean Strickland. It was a one-sided fight. It was not competitive. No immediate rematch. Sterling has a much better case for an immediate rematch against Sean O'Malley, but he has no... He has absolutely no power in this situation. Sean is the A-plus side in this conversation. Aljo's the B-side. What Sean wants, Sean's going to get. And as much as Aljo deserves an immediate rematch, he's not going to get it. He's not going to get it. He got deaded by Sean O'Malley. He got knocked out in two rounds. So even the case for Aljo, although it's better than Izzy, he's probably not going to get it. But... Valentina Shevchenko 1,000% deserves to run this one back. She should be the champion right now. She should be the champion. Today, on this Tuesday, we should be talking about Valentina Shevchenko as the flyweight champion again. Because one judge screwed her with with the all-time worst scorecard ever. You have to give her the shot. You have to give it back to her. And if that thumb injury is as bad, is, is really bad, and if they say, Alexa, we're fighting in March, and they call Valentina, she says, no, nah, March is too soon, I'm not going to be ready, then yes. Go Alexa versus Aaron Blanchfield. Go Alexa versus Amanda Fioro, whoever's ready. And then Valentina gets the winner. But if Valentina is ready to go, whenever that, the UFC wants that title defended again, she is the first phone call, and she has to be. This is one of the rare cases where you have to go back to Valentina because she should be the champion. This is a different situation. It's not like Izzy got robbed and it was a close decision. No, Sean beat his ass. He took round two off because he almost finished Izzy in the first. So no, Izzy doesn't deserve a immediate rematch. Even John Anik, even John Anik said Izzy doesn't deserve an immediate rematch. Aljo deserves it much more, but he ain't going to get it. But Valentina, in this situation, she's got to be the first call. She's got to be the first call. If she ain't ready, you don't wait for her. You fight somebody else. But if she's ready, she has to get that shot. She has to. And then Blanchfield and Fiora could fight. And I kind of want to see them fight anyways. To see who the real, who the real deal is. Panda, do My man, Mike, how are you? Can you hear me? Yes. Right, I'll be short and sweet. Um, yeah, first things first, I'm definitely going to back you up. I 100% agree. I don't want to watch Izzy get another rematch. Just holding up the division. And at this point, you do have two or three, you know, top contenders, top guys that would be pretty interesting to see what a Drickus Duplass see or maybe a Hamza Chemaev or maybe even a Paulo Costa does in that division if he does get a shot against Sean. So we'll see. You know what I mean? And then secondly, let's go with division down, okay? Do we even have a a a top 10 top 15 fight booked at middleweight like what in the world is going on there mike i know i always ask you about kobe i know i always ask you about leon but how about just that division as a whole what in the world is Bilal muhammad gilbert burns the last top 10 fight in that division is that the last one we saw 
Yes. Top 10 fight? Yes. It's the last top 10 fight. It's the last top 10 fight. Which is goes to show why I hated that fight being on UFC 288 to begin with. Made absolutely no sense to put that fight on that card. Zero sense. Made no sense. And from what I understand, there were like actual talks about doing a Sean Strickland, Paulo Costa fight on that card. But both guys wanted it at 205, and the UFC is like, nah. I mean, it didn't get really far, but from what I understand, like that was brought to the table, and they were like, if you could do it at 185, cool. And they were both like, no, fuck that. And the UFC is like, okay, we'll go another direction. And now, like, that Muhammad Burns fight has aged so poorly that, like, people forget about it. The timing of that fight was horrendous. Can you imagine if they just waited and we got it, like, October 7th instead of, or October 14th, like, instead of, you know, Grant Dawson, Bobby Green being a main event, which I don't, like, dislike that main event, but. I mean, we're just coming off of a fight night headlined by a title fight. We got Fazeev and Gamrot, and then we're going to Grant Dawson, Bobby Green. Then we're going to Sadiq Yusuf, Edson Barboza. Not your typical main events. Like, what a great spot to have those two guys fight, right? But we just, we, we wasted it because we had to have a co-main event because we lost Charles Oliveira and Benny Dariush, and we moved it to June. And, like, that fight did nothing for the card. It did nothing. It didn't get a single extra pay-per-view buy. It did nothing. It was just, it was a five-round Bilal Muhammad performance. He dominated, and he looked great. But now, like, all this time is passing. And this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport. And now, like, if, if Shotcott, like, fights Calvin Gastelum or something in November... And just ices them. Like, do you think anyone's going to be saying, oh, remember when Bilal beat Gilbert Burns? No. No, they're not going to say any of that stuff. So, yeah, it's very weird. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I still believe Colby Leon will happen before the end of the year, either November or December. I think they're still finding a spot for it. I think both guys are probably getting ready for that for one of those dates. But we're getting close, man. We're getting close. We got to figure out what's going to headline in December. We got to figure out what's going to headline in January. But the clock's ticking on all that stuff. So maybe we'll get Wonderboy versus Ian Gary. Maybe we'll get Wonderboy Kamara Usman. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a weird, it's just a weird division. It's a very weird division. And... Until we get this title fight, like nothing really makes sense and we can't really do much with it. That's why I hated Bilal and Burns on that May card. Just was a waste. Such a waste. But it was a big win for Bilal. And by the time some of these other top 10 welterweights get shots, like everyone's going to forget about it. And it's crazy to think about. Crazy to think about. I talked to Sean Brady a little bit last week. He wants to fight at MSG or before the end of the year. 
So there's like interesting matchups there. Maybe you do JDM Brady. Um, Luke Gay's in the mix for one of those guys. I mean, there's there's options, but man, we need to get some of these fights booked. Move this division along a little bit. All right, we're done. Uh, thank you all very much. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll we'll do it all over again, and. We'll have a good time. Thursday will be a busy day. We'll have BTL as well. And then Friday, we'll be back here again for Free For All Friday. Get you ready for UFC Vegas 79. Actually, before I go, I'll talk about – someone asked about the stakes for Bryce Mitchell, Dan Ige. Um, I don't think they're, like, huge, but it's a good fight. It's a very good fight. If Dan wins, I think you have to give him some. I think you have to give him a shot against like a guy ranked higher than him, like a top ten dude ranked above someone ranked above them. Maybe throw him in there with like an Arnold Allen or something. Uh, I know Arnold just had a close fight with Max, but maybe that's like an option. And if Bryce loses, someone was like, "Is this the end of the hype train?" No. Like Bryce, like I always thought Bryce is a super was was a pretty talented guy, but I just think that his like his overall skill set would win him a lot of fights. But against guys who are super well rounded, he wasn't going to do great against like Ilya Taporia. I was very confident that Ilya Taporia would win that fight, uh, and he did. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like Danny Gay is, you know, Daddy Dan is on another level. I think. Either him and his wife had another kid or they're about to have another kid. So he's like more motivated than ever. He's coming off of a good win. I love that fight a lot. I really like that fight. We're going to learn a lot. But if Danny Gay wins, like I wouldn't call Bryce a bust because it's kind of where I thought Bryce would be. Like a top 15 kind of a guy. Probably not going to win a belt. But be a top 15 guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. You got Fazeev Gamrot's great fight. Can't wait for that. Not a bad card. Not a bad card this Saturday, but we're at the Apex. Three straight events. But uh, more on that on Thursday. So thank you all very much. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Support for this podcast and the following message is brought to you by E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, our tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Plus, you'll get access to a wide range of support to help you plan for the long term. Learn more at eTrade.com slash Vox. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley.